0: Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, the game. Nick Braden, D-Maze, Marquise, live here on a Tuesday, final hour of the show. Big finish coming up at 945. Chris Mason will join us coming up at uh, 930 this morning. Predators tonight against the Sharks, Bridgestone Arena. Preds a healthy 160 favorite tonight. Uh, But we will get back to the big stories of the day uh, from yesterday because the Titans continue to be the gift that keeps on giving. We'll uh, we'll get to the left tackle again, but the news yesterday was, you know, would they in fact move on from Cairo Santos? They have indeed cut Cairo Santos. Cody Parkey, former Bears kicker, former Eagles kicker, former Auburn Tiger, in town should be the guy filling that void. Uh, he's not any better than Santos, but as we said to start the show— a necessity uh, really a a necessary move
1: where do you go though i guess you know nick i know this is what you wanted and i don't really have a problem with it you got to move on from from caro santos but like what are the odds you just sign a guy here in the next week or two you know whether it's parky or whoever and like he's just he's good like, what are the chances that that's going to happen? Very slim. And so I don't where Are you just stuck but with this? But we're only going to need him
0: for, like, what, three weeks?
1: Yeah, I think suck-ups schedule to come back around week 8, 9, or 10, somewhere in that range. So you're right. You only need them for, you know, three, maybe four games. But if you lose three games because of that, oh, that sure. that'll cost you a playoff spot.
2: Yeah. Um. You know, but it, Vrabel said it. I mean, it's you got to do something because you can't walk in that locker room and talk to those guys, and not make a move after that loss. This has been a, a, a accumulation of, of of things, and it wasn't just the four field goals. He hadn't been that good this year, period. Um, and you know, it's a struggle for the Tennessee Titans to score. Um, you know, it's. Yeah, they need to be better once they get in that red zone. They they need to score touchdowns instead of field goals. That's just, I mean, every NFL team wants to do that. Um, and it seems like field goals are getting harder and harder to kick for some strange reason. It's not like they, you know, made the, um, you know, they they took the length of the goal post and shrunk and, and, and it or they made the footballs bigger. Um, it's just for some reason, you know, the, they hadn't been able to kick field goals the way they, you know, the way you usually see kickers kicking field goals. It's like, okay, back in the day, you know, it just seemed like a 30 some yarder was just automatic, you know. Not to say that they made every one of them, but you never looked at it and it said, man, I wonder if he's going to make that 35-yard field goal. Now you look at it and you like holding your breath like, man, is he going to make this? Even at a PAT, is he going to make the PAT? Um, did anyone
1: did anyone have faith that Cairo Santos was going to make that PAT on Sunday? No. I was shocked when no. it went through.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean to be honest. and that's the that's the state of the NFL right now where things are not automatic. Things that used to be automatic with kickers are no longer automatic. And who's to say that this guy that they bring in whoever it is will be able to hold, you know, hold the cup until uh suck up come comes back no we we don't know probably not you know he might end up missing three or four field goals right. again then what do you do are,
1: are we in a place where we just have a quarterback issue right now in the nfl where they're too hurt they're too injured and they're there's not enough options and the same thing with kickers like guskowski's injured for indianapolis mm-hmm. vinatieri is now falling off the map because he's just too old um you know i like i look at the list of best kickers in the nfl and it, it, greg Zerline, mm-hmm. justin tucker Okay, and then after that, name me a great who? Like, are there great kickers? Are we in a period of time where we have bad kickers? I I can't tell. That's why I said
2: it seems as if it and, and it could have been this way, you know, years ago. I don't know, but it just seems like the kicker position it's become a little bit more difficult. I don't know why, but it's become again. I don't, they hadn't taken the width of the of of the posts and made it shorter. They hadn't done that. It's just these kickers are not as automatic as they used to be. There are a few that are, um, you know, New England's kicker's hurt, so you pull him out. Then Adam Vinatieri, he used to be automatic, he's not automatic anymore. Uh, Justin Tucker. I mean, even the field goal he made, it seemed like it was about to be. It was he was going to miss it, miss it, and then it kind of hooked back right again. So things that were automatic back, you know. Five ten years ago doesn't seem automatic anymore.
1: Sorry, I was just looking at, at field goal, per, extra point, mm-hmm. career percentages, right? And Justin Tucker is number five all time, ninety nine point six. There are two guys, by the way, that played for a few chunk of years that are that were a hundred percent. But mm-hmm. uh, you know Ryan Lindell, remember him? Yeah, um, Buffalo, right? Ninety nine point eight percent extra point percentage. But you got to go down a ways to get to more active names. Now the difference is the numbers drop from like 98 to 99. Like mm-hmm. you go from 99 to 98. You know Dan Bailey's at 98% from from uh, extra point territory. Stephen Goskowski, 98%. And, and I just wonder Ryan Suckup is one of the more one of the higher rated active extra mm-hmm. point guys at 97. Now, I would assume that a large chunk of those came when it was still you know at a shorter distance, right? I'd like to know what the new kicker whose career started with the new extra point what their career extra point percentages are. I still think it's in the 90s, but they're missing them far more often than they yeah. used to. And and so I don't know. I it just feels like it's hard to find like the Packers drafted Mason Crosby like 15 years ago and they're just yeah. riding, they're just riding with him.
0: Well, earl, earlier this season, the Falcons were dire in dire needs for a kicker and then they bring Matt Bryan back.
2: Yeah. 40 43, 43 years old. off the street. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, because kickers are becoming more they're, they they are a weapon. Um, in this day and age, because you have to have a guy that one can make an extra point because now they've you know pushed the extra point back and it's it's like that's not even automatic anymore. Um, but then you have to have you know a kicker that can kick forty plus you know routinely, and you know kickers they're and they're paying them more. You know they're not paying them a million dollars anymore or just under a million dollars. I mean Tucker. Is getting what five million per He's year? He's getting a
1: lot of money. I, yeah. think I think it's like nine.
2: But so he,
1: here's an interesting. I, I pulled up field goal career field goal percentage, right? So how accurate you are, which doesn't the rules haven't been changed at all for kickers in, in whatever forty years. Uh, in fact, if anything, you can't jump over the line, yeah. right? And so if anything, it's helped the kickers in that sense. Um, Justin Tucker, the, the the top six most accurate field goal kickers of all time in NFL history are all active, which means that. You know, and then you've got Chris Boswell, who's active at number eight. Stephen Hauschka at number ten. Matt Bryant eleven. Dustin Hopkins fifteen. So, of the top fifteen kickers of all time, most accurate kickers of all time, like nine or ten of them are active. Which means they are more accurate today than they've ever been before in the past. So, why is it so hard to find field goal kickers? Is it because we our expectations have been elevated? And as fans, we just expect anything under fifty. You should make it. Is that is that where we're at now?
0: Probably so. But everything's cyclical, right? Like you know, we we a couple of years ago we thought the running back was dying. Go back, by the way, mm-hmm. take a look at the 2017 NFL draft class for running backs. Mm-hmm. There's like 15 guys that are putting on clinics. Is that,
1: is that Zeke and Kamara and Cam- yep, that, that group of guys. Yep,
0: I mean they're blowing up. But we had Lorenzo Neal they- in studio. He had the uh, the hat on. Make fullbacks great again. Mm-hmm. We did the make kickers great again.
1: By, by the way, Cody yeah. Parkey is 20, 20th all-time in NFL history, most accurate kicker. Mm-hmm. Cody Parkey is a top 20 most accurate kicker in NFL history. So their their accuracy numbers are far better today than they were 20 years ago. But I think it's... it's I think it's our
2: expectations that have changed. We yeah, expect you to make every kick. The expectations, and guys are missing extra points now that they pushed them back, but then guys are missing at inopportune times. And it's drawing a bigger it's shining a bigger light on that potential you know that kicker we look at Adam military he's a hall of fame kicker but he misses you know he costs Indianapolis to basically well he cost him a game and he almost cost him another game it's here in Nashville yeah
1: Co- Cody Parkey 83.9 percent on his career field goals Ryan Suckup 83.6 Cody Parkey is a more accurate kicker according to his career than Ryan Suckup is
2: I, I, well, you like, wonder you again, wonder how many, I'm not but you better. wonder how many of those were like fifty plus sure. yards. Yeah, sure. you know. Well, but,
0: what's the sample size of total kicks? Suckup's got to have him tripled up, right?
1: Uh, I would. He's played for a lot longer. Um, Parky plates came in in twenty fourteen. Suckup came in in twenty nine. So we played five more years. So there's, there's clearly a larger sample size there. But, but again, like all these guys, again. Of the top 25 kicker, most accurate kickers in NFL history, like 15 of them are active, mm-hmm. which means, again, the most accurate kicking we've ever seen in the NFL is happening right now, or at least in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So why is it we can't find kickers this year? Is it just an, maybe it's just one of those years, and I think our expectations are that if you line up for a 48-yard field goal in the NFL, you're mm-hmm. going to make it. You should make it. And in college, it's the opposite. We're like, nope, you got no chance.
0: <laughs> like Dude, just, I, I, short of Alabama kicking extra points, every time they send out the kicker, I almost throw up. You don't I, I don't watch. I, I, leave the, I go to the bathroom. What's
1: funny is Georgia-Tennessee, you know, um, Georgia-Tennessee came into that game with two kickers, Blankenship and, and Semiglia or whatever, that have not missed a kick. Now, Tennessee missed a field goal, of course, at the end of the half, which actually ended up probably leading to Georgia pulling away in the game, but... You know, those are two teams that have great kickers. Uh-huh. There's like five of them in college football, and if you, like like Auburn's got
0: one, Auburn always has a Auburn kicker. Auburn has
1: a great kicker almost every year.
0: Yeah. All right, six one five seven three seven one zero two five. We will come back. We'll get to the left tackle Taylor Lewan. That's next on Morning Drive. Chris Mason coming up at the bottom of the hour, the big finish at nine forty-five. But one of the big stories of the day that we spent the first two hours of the show discussing uh, and taking a lot of phone calls on is Taylor Lewan and his use of social media. Now it goes back to Shaq Lawson of the Bills, you know, running his mouth post-game after the Bills beat the Titans on Sunday, and now Taylor Lewan says, "You know what? I'm going to come at you on social media and point out that you're a uh, basically a first-round bust." But is this a good look for Taylor Lewan?
1: I, I listen, and again, I would say and advise people that if you want a little enjoyment on your lunch break, go go read all of the uh, the tweets back and forth between Taylor Lewan and Shaq Lawson, and then Jordan Phillips gets involved, who had three sacks, I believe, for for the Bills over the weekend. Who started pulling clips and highlights of the game where Shaq Lawson was beating Taylor Lewan, and tweeted out, "Hey, special thanks to my guy Shaq Lawson for beating Taylor Lewan, so I could get another sack and." That that's pretty ruthless. You can't really come back on that if somebody's tweeting out game film of what happened two days ago, and it's you getting beat. I don't know. I think Taylor, listen. I, I think Taylor's got this fun personality that's good for football. It's good for Nashville. It's good for him. All that stuff. But you got to perform on the field. You got to perform on the field. And so if you're not performing on the field, that might be a time to maybe consider pulling back a little bit on the overt social media trash talking. Just just it's just me. You know, when you get beat, be humble. Maybe it's old school. Maybe I'm an old school guy. I
2: don't know. When you miss four games, you get popped for PD. Um, Let your team down. You let your team down. Then you come back and you play bad. Don't say nothing. Just go back, watch film, get back to grinding. Shaq Lawson said what he said, you know, and let it be. Just, take, just yeah. take that L. It's an L. It's an L. Because when you respond, it becomes a bigger L. And then you open yourself up to everything that we saw on social media yesterday. The big L's, uh, the, the the L emojis, the PED stuff. <laughs> a lot of, syri- a lot of, of syringes th- yeah, on social media yesterday. All of this stuff you open yourself up to. And you didn't have to. You know, because... It is what it is. You played a bad game, and you almost got your quarterback decapitated. All right, move on, and get back to grinding. You win, Saffold. and don't get into this back and forth Twitter, you know, beef or whatnot. It, it, it serves no. It serves no purpose to you. No, and when and, you do
1: it, and what LaJuan should do is post a video of his post game comments. His post game comments were actually really good. His post game comments were. Everybody needs to be better. We mm-hmm. need to be better. I need to be better. The offense needs to be better. The front office, the coach, the players, everybody needs to be better. I actually really liked what he had to say after the game, mm-hmm. which is accountability. We, we need to be more accountable. We need to be better. If he just posted that video in response to everything, it would have been fine. Or just ignore the, a, a comment by a backup lineman. If he's not that big a deal to you, why are you giving him oxygen? Just, just, just let it go.
2: Well, it must have been a huge deal to him. He rubbed him. But it it, it hit right to the core of, you know, who he is. And, you know, he don't want anyone to say anything bad about him. But listen, if you don't want that to be the case, then go out there and perform. Then no one has anything bad to say about you. You know, I'm from the school of thought that if you write something about me in the paper when I was playing. Back when they had papers. Yeah, back when they had papers or you put it on the Internet. I can go one of two ways. I can sit I can sit there and take offense to it and you know, go back and forth. Or I can say, you know what? They're yeah, absolutely right. And if I don't want them writing this stuff, then I gotta change the way I play. That's basically what it boils down to.
0: Okay, so yesterday here on this show, we played you this piece of audio from Taylor Luan. This was Sunday afternoon after the loss, and this is the kind of stuff you like to hear.
3: You know, I think one Titans fan told me that his, his dad sold his, their season tickets because he said the ball was going break break to break their heart. And so we have to be better. I mean, that's just what it is. Like, there's nothing – I'm not saying anything that nobody else sees. Like, we have to be better. And that's myself included, everybody. I'm, like, upstairs, coaches, players, everybody has to be better. And and that's got to be consistent. And it can't be, oh, we lost. Well, uh, well let's be better. And then we win. And then we're like, oh, we're the greatest. It's, it's got to stop.
0: Yeah, it's just that's getting out of hand. So there it is. There's accountability. There's maturity. There's bluntness. Flat out, we stink. We need to be better. We understand why you know somebody's going to give up their tickets, and then 24 hours later, or 12 hours later, or whatever it is, you're Google imaging and snapshotting a picture of Shaq Lawson's career stats and getting into a social media spat where it's like, all right, you just went from sounding like a mature guy who gets it to a petulant child, you know, acting like a fool on Twitter.
1: Should, should we just? So I was kind of busting on Rex Road and some guys yesterday just joking around having a good time about Mariota. And, like, I almost feel like we need to reach the point where Twitter, like, we just need to all acknowledge that Twitter's not real. And and is is there a time, is there, have we reached the point where, aside from, like, real journalists who are doing real work and actually publishing real news stories, take that out of it and, and just say, all of us in the Twitter world with opinions about things, that we just have to acknowledge that what happens on Twitter is just different. Uh, have, we, have we reached that point yet? Because I, like, or, again, is,
0: or is or Twitter, is, is that where you reveal who you truly are?
1: See, I think it's the other way. I, I really don't. I, I think, you know, you hear Lawan talk there, and if Lawan and Shaq Lawson were standing in front of each other, I have a feeling they'd probably have a very different conversation. I, I, people that tweet me terrible things all the time, if I was standing in front of them, I'm willing to bet you that's not how we would talk to each other. I just don't think that people talk to each other in real life the way they do on Twitter. I've seen it too many times. I, I do think there is. I, I think you break the walls come crashing down so much do, easier you, in person. You
0: do need a sarcasm font for Twitter, right? And you do. There are interpretation issues at times where you somebody's mm-hmm. being snarky and the, somebody doesn't pick up on it.
1: Now, I said yesterday to Joe, I said I think clearly Marcus played the greatest game of his entire career on Sunday.
0: I bet you got backlash for that.
1: And like people were like, "Oh my!" Ch- even Chase McKay was like, "What are you? T- are you serious?" And I was like. No, I think it was the greatest game ever played by any human on earth, and like it's just clear that you're you're just kind of messing around on Twitter because it's something to do, right? You're
2: well, that's the you're that, sitting on a toilet. That's the problem. <laughs> you got nothing it, else to do. You, it's not like having a conversation. Uh, it's having a conversation, but it's not having a conversation because you know if we're standing next to each other, you can you can tell by my body language and everything else that well, is he telling the truth or is he just playing? Um, on Twitter, that is not the case because you can put out a tweet and be completely planned, and you can't get to your explanation fast enough before somebody takes it, screenshots and they say, oh, look at what he said. And you were just in the midst of saying, "Ha, just playing, you know, whatever the case may be. But they don't see that tweet because it doesn't come in a form of you and I having a conversation in in front of one another and you can see my demeanor and you can see, Oh, he's just playing. I, I know he's just playing, but that's where we are at in this, this, this social media world, because people do use it as a form of communication, whether they are, whether they are being sarcastic or whether they are not being sarcastic. They use it in such a way where they're trying to get a message point, point across, because I've always said, there's always a hint of, a hint of truthfulness in what someone says whether they are playing or not there's always a hint of truthfulness in it um, now what part is it we don't know but there's always a hint of truthfulness in it so when Shaq Lawson says whatever he says you know to the media and then and then Taylor comes back there's a there's some truth in what he perceived it to be. Well, there's some truth in it because if you look at his stats, he has been a A backup. uh, backup. But when you get beat like a drum, you can't then throw that up. Because you know what me makes you look even worse because you let a backup beat you.
1: Right, right. And I, and like, I you
2: let a, a career backup beat so what is that saying about you? And it
1: didn't start on Twitter, right? Let's remember yeah. it started in, in with a an adult saying something to a microphone. He was mm-hmm. actually saying, I think he's a fake tough guy. Mm-hmm. I'm call I think Taylor Lewan is a fake tough guy. That's how it got started. And then Lewan took to Twitter and Sort of use you know, use Twitter's tools, right? A, a screenshot, an mm-hmm. image here, things that he knows will get engagement and reaction. But and that stuff. makes you
2: look even worse because people I are like, "Dude, you let a career basically back up beat you." But and I don't
1: disagree with that. I just think on a pulling back from Lawan and Lawson yeah. and sort of talking Twitter in general, I don't believe that you know we, we as radio hosts deal with a lot of people on Twitter that say terrible things all the time, right? Like they they'll just they'll just say whatever they want. I think in real life, there's no way that those people would say those things to our faces. Just like I would never say... Now, I I don't really attack people on Twitter. I try to stay away from that kind of stuff. But, you know, Nick, you'll go after people a little bit harder on Twitter than I do. And I have a feeling if y'all were just standing there talking... You guys would have a very different conversation. I just think people are very different in person than they are on Twitter. You get keyboard muscles. You know, you're in the privacy of your own house. You can just fire off stuff from your phone. Like it, you had a few cocktails at night. Like it's just different.
0: Hey, Tito's Twitter is a different Twitter. <laughs>
1: but it's it's different than if you were standing talking to someone who disagreed with you about a, a particular sports topic. You two would sit there and talk and have a very different conversation. So, I think it's the same thing with politics. I think all these people scream at each other about stuff on social media. And then you get them into a room together, and they act very differently to each other. You become more human. You're dehumanized on Twitter, I think, to some degree.
0: Coming up next, we will talk with our buddy Chris Mason, Fred's TV analyst. He is brought to you by Freeland Chevrolet. And that is coming up next here on Morning Drive.
1: Here's an equation you're really going to like, guys. If you don't like Twitter, I got something for you. It all adds up to big savings. We all love big savings, so let's do the math. Now you can get Xfinity Internet and Xfinity Mobile each for $30 a month. That equals awesome Wi-Fi from America's best internet provider and the best LTE on the go. It's the ultimate coverage solution. It's all about the numbers. You can save up to eight hundred dollars a year on your wireless bill with Xfinity Mobile. Sounds good, right? And until october twenty seventh you could even get back two hundred fifty bucks. When you purchase an eligible smartphone, it's basically the perfect equation. Xfinity makes saving simple, easy, and awesome, unlike Twitter. Don't miss out on Xfinity Internet and Mobile, each for $30 a month. You'll get Internet Now with up to 100 megabits per second download speed for 12 months with a one-year agreement, and Xfinity Mobile with 3 gigs of shared wireless data. Go to Xfinity.com slash save big. That's Xfinity.com slash save big call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today it requires eco bill and auto pay internet offer ends 10-27-19 new performance internet customers only equipment taxes and fees extra and subject to change after agreement term regular rates apply mobile savings compare to Verizon and at and plans actual speeds vary and may not be guaranteed
0: 9.32, welcome back in. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise with you here on this Tuesday edition, ESPN 1025, the game. The big finish is coming up in just about 15 minutes, but right now we welcome in our pal Chris Mason, Preds TV color analyst. He's brought to you by Freeland Chevrolet. C-Mace, happy Tuesday. How you doing, buddy?
3: I'm doing fantastic, buddy. Just uh, cruising the, uh, the freeways of, of
0: Smashville. There you go. So, uh, well, let me just start with this one uh, from the the opposition perspective Surprised that San Jose comes in tonight 0-3? I am. I
3: mean, you know, I, I always, you know, at the beginning of every season, there's always those surprises where, you know, one team gets off to, a, you know, 7-1 and or 8-2 kind of start like Buffalo did last year. They got the, a, a great start. Uh, San Jose is a team you don't expect to go 0-3. That's for sure. But, you know, having said that, uh, you know, if I'm, a San Jose Shark or, or part of their organization, I'm not too worried. You know you have a good team and eventually, you know, the things seem to sort themselves out, so I don't think they really have much to worry about. Having said that though, it's a pretty uh, it's a dangerous team to be walking in here on three.
1: It Mace, uh, you and I talked a lot about this with David Poyle a couple of weeks ago on Smash for Live, just about how long it takes before you can truly evaluate somebody or something. How much how many games, how much time do you need to sort of to sort of make a judgment call and everybody has a different sort of attitude towards that. The coaching staff views things probably a lot more in a a short-term window. The GM probably views it in a long-term window. Dante Fabros played two games this year, so it's a very small, very isolated window. Um, What have you seen from him, and and does he look like he's a guy like we saw last year that is prepared to handle the workload of a top-four defenseman over an 82-game schedule?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, from what we saw last year, what we've seen so far, I I really feel like he – Skill level and the, his maturity, and the way that he's able to, uh, you know, be out there playing against top lines. Now he's playing with Ekholm. I think they're doing really well together. The T.S. Ekholm said himself, uh, he's just so impressed by how uh, good and s- such a, a smart hockey player that Dante Favro is. But you know, having said that, he, he hasn't been through uh, you know the grind of uh, an 82 game schedule yet. So there's still a lot. Uh, to be known and I'm sure there's gonna, there's always ups and there's always downs with, with any player of any caliber. So I, I think, uh, it, it's gonna be, you know, take a while till we, you know, fully see, you know, if, he, if he's able to handle this workload. But, you know, there's no doubt his skill level and his ability to play the game is at an NHL level. So I, I, I think, you know, all, all, uh, things being equal right now, he's done everything he's asked and I don't see any issues with him adapting to those, uh, top four minutes.
2: Now, uh, C. Mace, there's two areas uh, that I want to ask you about. One is obvious it's a player, so I'm not going to say area. Uh, and the, the other is the the power play. Um, you know, they showed signs of life during the preseason in the power play. Um, this season, I think they have, they've had four or five chances and they've capitalized on one. Um, do you see um, any, any change that, 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 that you see that is positive moving forward in regards to the power play? Do you think, you know, hey, one will lead to two, will lead to five? Um, will it get better from what it was last year? And then also, turs what have you seen from him in the preseason um, that, that gives you any um, sense of, okay, this guy will be back to form? Well, I, for the power play, I thought
3: uh, preseason really good. First two games, they got one goal, but I, I think that, what I see is if I'm comparing it to last year, mm-hmm. I just felt it was almost a major buzzkill. They weren't getting any momentum. It was almost like one of those things, you know, you're in a situation where you just rather decline the thing. But this year they're creating chances, they're they're moving the puck around, they're getting opportunities, it looks dangerous. They scored a great goal, that top unit. Has done a really good job at, at creating uh, chances and, and making things happen. They're, they're hemming other teams in their end, and even if they don't score on a power play, well, you're spending two minutes in the other team's zone, and, and you're making them play hard minutes. You're getting them running around, and you know, forcing their goalie to make big time saves, and, and that can pay dividends later um, in the game if you're able to do that. So, I, I've liked what I've seen, and I think it's only going to get better. Um, as for as for tourists, I think last game uh, their line uh, with Rocco and Callie, I thought they created a, a ton of opportunities. Kyle as well, I thought he was shooting the puck. Uh, he made a couple great plays. He gave uh, croak a backdoor tap in almost, and he couldn't quite uh, pull the trigger on her or get it up and over the goalie. But he's, you know, he's also had a couple really good, uh, really good shots and scoring chances. So I, I really liked what I've seen from him. He looks like he's, you know, got some of that confidence back, and he's making things happen out there.
0: Chris Mason joining us here on Morning Drive, brought to you by Freeland Chevrolet. You know, Mace, uh, a couple of days ago before the season started, I think it was last Wednesday, I just tweeted out a bunch of predictions for the season, and I picked Roman Yossi to win the Norris Trophy, and I still think he's got a, a legit shot. But all of a sudden, you look at Matias Eckholm, and we had Darren McFarland on yesterday, and he said, guys, watch out for Matias Ekholm. He, he's playing some really, really good hockey, and it's probably undervalued across the nation around NHL circles nationally. Is Matthias Eckholm possibly the, the best guy on the blue line that nobody gives any recognition to?
3: I, honestly, I think he's, he's starting to get that because I, I think with, you know, you had the big four and he was quite often over the last couple of years the last one that people would talk about. You'd always, you know, obviously PK and Roman and Ellie. And then you'd talk about Matthias Eckholm. This, this guy is an unbelievable player and he's maybe not quite as flashy as some of those other guys, but he gets it done. And I think last year um, when Suban was out for uh, 20 games or whatever it was, I th- and he played with Ham, Ham Hughes, so I thought he had the opportunity to, to jump up in the play more and take more of an offensive role on that pairing. So, And th- that's when he, he just put up points. He, he defends well. He's big. He's got a little bit of a, a mean streak in him. So in the defensive zone, he's a big, strong guy. He can take care of uh, guys in the defensive zone. But I, I really think that, you know, with, with him playing with Fabro this year, he's going to take on more of that offensive load. And you saw last game, he had a goal and assist. And, um, you know, he, he, two goals in the preseason. He just looks really good. And I think people are starting to really know who Matias Ekholm is. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with you on the Yossi part. I think if I'm going to pick the guy that's got the best chance of winning the Norris Trophy, I think Roman Yossi, you know, all the analytics from last year, um, he probably should have got a lot more points at the power play. Uh, was even you know half in the league he would have been re- really up there in that conversation so i think he's a he's a good chance uh to be in that conversation no doubt
0: mace good stuff as always we appreciate the time we'll chat again next tuesday all right thank you guys you got Take it care. chris mason preds tv color analyst joining us as always on a tuesday at nine thirty, and it's brought to you by freeland chevrolet all right, we will come back. The big finish is coming up next. Final thoughts on the show. We'll get to the rewind, what we learned today, and what is on tap tonight. Stay there. It's Morning Drive. We're back after this. That is correct. It is time for the big finish. We do it each and every day at 945 here on Morning Drive. We don't limp to the finish line on this program, and that's why it's uh, brought to you by the great people at
1: Nashville Soccer Club. Get your MLS tickets for the inaugural season today. Go to NashvilleSC.com. Of course, that's next year. Right now, currently, Nashville SC in third place in the USL standings in the Eastern Conference, just a point back of Indy 11. Uh, four points back of Pittsburgh, you got to stay in that top four to host a playoff game, and of course, huge one tonight against sixth place Lou City. Um, ESPN ninety four nine game two is the official radio home of Nashville, uh, English radio home of the Nashville Soccer Club, or of Nashville. Listen in tonight as Nashville SC takes on Louisville City FC at First Tennessee Park. Pre game begins at six forty five. Kickoff begins at seven. Only on ESPN. Game 2, powered by your Middle Tennessee Toyota dealers. And, of course, again, just one point out. If they win tonight and collect three points, they will be in second place in the Eastern Conference standing. So a big, big match tonight with only two more on the schedule left to go. Big stuff tonight at First Tennessee Park.
0: Hollywood, let's get to the rewind. And we welcome you into a Tuesday edition of Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, The Game. The Game. Your Nashville Predators as they play game three of a four-game stretch at home to start the year tonight against the helpless, winless San Jose Sharks.
1: Is it too early to say helpless and winless after three days? They of might not evening? win a
0: game all year because today's Tuesday, so we can overreact, yep, right? Can so San Jose's in trouble. Yeah, that's true. We can do that.
1: The Shark Tank is uh, empty. Big time. That's because the game's in Nashville tonight.
2: Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, got, they have like a, what, a 40-games whole tour? All right. all right, boys.
1: So
0: you know,
2: oh, although man.
1: you were ready, you were ready for hockey season yesterday with all the, tr- yeah. the, the you know, the football tragedy that took place over. The exactly,
0: weekend. we are in a football state of emergency. We are officially a southern Canadian province. We've also lost some people. We, we, we've <laughs> lost some people. Where's a, your a
2: good kicker was lost? Where's your foot, football impact meter? Where is it? Where is that? Where it's just like that meter that tells you that you're just on fire right now? Where's that meter? Is it is it mild?
0: Oh, the flames have been. The flames are almost out. There. Like I texted my buddy yesterday, I said, "Just get me to the Masters."
2: Well, what about uh, what about
1: LSU, Bama? How about just get you to LSU? I'll LSU-Bama? come
0: back for that. Oh man, you checked out on NFL already? With yeah, the, the NFL's dead to me. <laughs> Can't figure it out. Just when you think you haven't figured out, they change the questions.
1: How do you know if a block kick is going to be good? Like that's that's one that always cracked me up. From and it's not just for it's all players and coaches. They're like, "Oh, that one would have been good." I'm like, "You only saw it fly eight, like 12 feet." <laughs> Out of like the forty yards that it was yeah. going to fly, how do you know what direction it was going to go? Like, well, I felt like it put up a good swing on it. Well, okay. Like every time my tee shot hits a tree, it, I it, I swear it was going down the middle. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just knew when I saw it. Like I knew it. it. It was it was it was working its way back into the fairway, boys. Okay.
0: We welcome in our general manager Floyd Reese. Social
3: media hurts these guys more than it helps them, and I understand, you know, the way things are going and why you do it and and all of that stuff. But especially during the season, I think most guys that get on there make themselves look ridiculous anyway. You know, it's just better to stay off of it, forget about it, go on. I mean, if you're you're playing a team and the team beats you and they've got some guys that are talkers or texters or whatever the case maybe hey they're gonna they're gonna jump out there now you know they just won they just beat you they just got a bunch of sacks so you know i can do and say pretty much what i want and uh, and then you start responding to it and then pretty soon you look like a dummy so i don't know how you win at that but I, I would put it away if it was me
0: well, I had to send a message yesterday too <laughs> to Boss Hog because you know he wants to be on Twitter and you know create his brand and all this other stuff, which is all great except for when you're out for the first month of the season, your team is two and three, and you weren't even that good in your return. Lawan tweeted yesterday, shout out to at @shackloss90 and his dominant stats, couple of laughing emojis, hashtag first round backup, you're a monster, haha. I tweeted at Taylor Lawan, I said, hey dad, maybe you should just lay low and shut it down. You didn't play too well in your return. You let your team city. Fan base down for four games. Buffalo won the game. Now you're giving a dude that I forgot existed cred. Maybe help out that stiff Saffold instead of chirping.
2: (laughs) Saffold didn't have anything to do with that. Help your boy (laughs) out because he stinks too. Here's my problem with Taylor. And Taylor's a good player. And I've always, and I will always say, until he consistently proves me wrong, you can't get suspended four games and then come back and play the way you play and then get on social media and start ragging people. You can't do that. Sit down, lay low, wait till the next game. Get your bearings back and go back out there and grind and hustle the way that offensive line is supposed to do. Predators tonight, a minus 160 favorite over the Sharks. If you can't listen to
0: the game and you're just sitting at home, you can watch the game nationally televised again, NBC Sports Network. And you'll see the score. You'll see the period. You'll see how much time is left in the period. You'll see face-offs one. Is, is, is this why you you're going to You won't see the game? SOGs. Is this why you're going to the yes, game today? exactly right. <laughs> so you watch
1: the not, shots on goal? I, I think it also is maybe time that you let it go.
0: It's just so hard. Why, why? Because it's just commonplace amongst hockey broadcasts and telecasts to see it, and then you get the random outlier.
1: They do flash it occasionally. Like yeah. It flashes up there occasionally. I'm just curious because it happens. It's not the kind
0: of flashing I like, but you know. <laughs> As we welcome in Bill Conley, you know
3: this is not an Alabama, Clemson, and everybody else kind of situation—at least not yet. It certainly could become that as the year goes on. Uh, but right now, you've had LSU playing at title-caliber football. You've had Ohio State—you know those plucky upstarts from from Ohio—looking really good. Uh, even Wisconsin—you know they, aside from like you said, a bad half basically against Northwestern—they've been what maybe one of the two or three most dominant teams. This has been a, a more wide-open field than maybe we
0: expected, and people are leaning into that.
2: D-Mace, do you know there's a round two of Shaq and Damian oh, Lillard? Oh no, it's DJ not Diesel? DJ Diesel versus Dame
0: Dollar in a rap battle. <laughs> Me and D-Mace disagreed on. I think Dame Dollar got him on that. But
1: oh, wait, wait, so which side were you on, D-Mace? He, I was on Shaq's side, of
0: course. Yeah, I was Shaq. I thought
1: I thought Diesel's hype videos when he came, when he first launched his Twitter account were pretty uh-huh. pre- were pretty dope. Everybody gonna get his I don't like your.
2: <laughs> I don't like Charles Barkley keeper.
0: <laughs> See, I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, I love that he throws a ribbon on Barkley. Yeah. You see, I, I don't
2: think it's fair that he just threw uh, out Charles Barkley's name like that. Shaq Kilty, man. That's it's it. a
1: better, it's a gonna gonna better keep thing. They're gonna
0: keep it going. I, I hope they do. It. And this is why I but love You wanna know the NBA. why they're doing it?
2: Because we're all suckers. Yeah, well, I love they're it. All I'm all... a sucker for this. You, this know, is, you, know, a...
1: you know who wins? The two of them. Oh,
2: right? I love it. Shaq Kilty, man. No. I'm with you. And the Rat beef, Shaq. Put it on the board for the diesel.
0: Yeah. Just remember, when you lose, sit down and be humble. Take care. And that was the Morning Drive Billy Shit. Rewind.
1: <laughs> y- y'all are slowly matriculating more of that man into the show, and I'm concerned about little it. A little bit. A little uh, bit. Prince Fred Smashville Live returns this Wednesday, hosted by our own Braden Gall, live from Brewhouse South. See if it's on the paper, Nick. I'll read it. Uh, in Cool Springs, located at 1855 Galleria Boulevard, from seven to eight p.m. tomorrow night. This week's guests are players Kyle Turris and Dan Hamuse. The first fifty people will have the opportunity to get an autograph or picture. Smashville Live is brought to you, of course, by the great sponsors: New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, and Red Spirits and Wine. Brewell's South, really cool spot there to catch a catch a beverage. So uh, come on down and say hi to to Hammer and Kyle Turris. Turris doesn't really have a nickname. Yeah. By the way, D- Dutchie won't be there, but Turris, Uh You I just dropped, not, You just dropped Turris- the hammer there. Did you hear that? Turris- yeah, hammer. Hammer, Hammer, and Tur- Turry, Turcy, Ka- Kylie. That's, nah. a, that's a Kardashian. I don't know. Yeah, um, or a Jenner. I don't know. I can't keep them confused. I can't, I can't keep them straight. Uh, ha- ha- oh, Hammer's gonna be there. Man,
0: Hammer, pick up a couple of apples. <laughs> <laughs> not MC Hammer. He's not going to be there. Zachary he can't Apple afford to come f-
1: out 7-8 uh, tomorrow night, uh, Kyle Terrace, Dan Hamus, Hal Gill, and myself. Pop pop on out there, man. Uh,
0: final I thought, thought real quick, by the way. Monday Night Football last night, uh-huh. the Browns got embarrassed 31-3. to Absolutely. Is, now, San Francisco 4-0 for the first time since 1990. Is San Francisco really, really
2: legit, or
0: Jimmy G, baby. is Cleveland just a total dumpster fire? Cleveland's
2: just a team that don't know themselves yet their offensive line you think the, Titan- I mean, the titans is bad for yeah. sure
1: i like the way san francisco is constructed so do i, I. yeah I-, I like their coach they out totally out schemes the, Can- t- the titans two years ago when the titans went out there and jimmy g was making one of his first career starts for the niners and he just torched the titans a dean a, D- a uh, dick lebeau secondary with a bunch of scrubs and He's eleven and two, or he's twelve and two, folks. As a starter, Jimmy G, twelve and
2: two. Cleveland, um, word to the wise: if you don't want to waste all that talent, get rid of Freddie Kitchens. Wow, get rid of Freddie Kitchens. He does look a little
0: overmatched.
2: Yeah, and their
0: offensive line is poor. Like right now, like Nick Chubb is a stud, but Baker Mayfield's like a one, one read and go under pressure and get rattled quarterback. I mean, Beckham—they tried to get him the ball a million different ways. I mean, like, Chubb's the only guy that you really enjoy on that team offensively right now.
2: Yeah, but they got a lot of players. And he's the, quiet. He's the yeah. quiet one. And, and they got a lot of good players on that team. But I just think Freddie Kitchens is above – this is above his head right now. He's in over his head well, right that, now.
1: I mean, that's not what we thought about? Yeah. I mean, we just didn't no, know what, right. what to expect from him. And the one time they looked the part is when he leaned on Nick Chubb and they they won the game. And so mm-hmm. it's – it's hard to lean on your stud running back and, and kind of take the pressure off all the other pieces when your offensive line's not playing well, which is sort of what the Titans need to do with Derrick Henry, and they're not able to because the offensive line isn't any good right now. So You,
0: you know what's interesting, too? The AFC North, mm-hmm. that division right now stinks. The Browns have a losing record. Mm-hmm. The Bengals are winless. Pittsburgh's been decimated at quarterback. And Baltimore is first place kind of by default. 3-2, and two, right? Are they 3-2? I think 3-2. Yeah, Titans three and two win eight. two
1: games, and they're in charge they're back in control of their own wild card destiny again like this this afc other than new england and and kansas city who also just lost to the colts by the way huge one by the colts a, it, this whole thing's not going to run away it's all going to stay tightly compacted the entire year. well
2: the bad part about this if everything stays status quo no one gets hurt i can't see tennessee beating indianapolis in indy um i don't know if they beat jacksonville uh it's they wasted two great opportunities early in the season, um, with the loss against Indy and, and, and then the loss against Jacksonville
1: and Braves. Buffalo. Should have I mean
2: exactly had two touchdowns taken off the board and then where you would have had a lead. Jacksonville, I mean, Indy beats Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: All right, that's it for us here on a Tuesday. We're back at it tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Stay tuned. Darren, Donick, and Chase are up next live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. And as one man once famously said when signing off on his social media posts, take care.
2: Bailey, DJ Nashville, I love you.